0: Good morning everyone and welcome to City of Hope Church Sunday service online. We're so glad to be with you this morning. Uh, We'd much rather be here with you in person. We had a really good run of it. We went the last 11 weeks right here in the building but uh, recently we've had a little bit of a rise in coronavirus cases in our area and so we just wanted to play it safe for at least a couple of weeks just to make sure that we help to stop the spread of the virus. But we're so glad to be with you during this time online and and to stay connected with you. And we're in prayer for everyone. We just ask that you would be in prayer uh, for our church, for our people, for our community, and for our nation as we move forward. I want to remind you also that this Wednesday night at 7pm there's going to be a Zoom devotion uh, and prayer together. So we'd love to see you. There should be a link uh, available for you that you can click on Wednesday night and join us on Zoom. And we'll pray together. We'll have a little bit of a devotion. If you'd like to connect with us or you need prayer for anything, we would love to pray with you. So you can send us a message here on our Facebook page or you can email me at clay at uh, Or you can also visit us at cityofhopechurch.org, especially if you would like to give or check out more about us but there's an online giving tab at cityofhopechurch.org that you can click on and give to there or you can email it to, or you can mail a check to us sorry at po box 280 Manchester Kentucky 40962 but we just appreciate how supportive you all have been uh, through this entire time and it seems like even whenever we've had uh, setbacks that God has given us favor he's blessed us and we've continued to advance and move forward and God has taken care of us and we just pray that God will continue to bless us and protect you and protect your family as we move forward together so i'm excited about the message that i have for you today i started a sermon series uh, last week called under the sway and one of the things that we talked about really uh, more than anything was the the pull of politics and how politics is at work really oftentimes pulling us away from the kingdom of God and the mindset of the kingdom. And we wrestled with some of those ideas and how we should engage the world, especially when it comes to the pull of the political spirit and even the pull of the religious spirit that is at work. And we know right now, if we look at our world, it is clear, it's abundantly clear that we're dealing with spiritual warfare. We're dealing with tension in our nation. There's pestilences. Obviously, we're dealing with this whole COVID scare and sicknesses and diseases. There's there's storms everywhere there is racial tension there's political divide where people are arguing and fighting all of the time and and there's there's just uh, continued threats of, of possibilities that are going to happen that really keep people uh, frightened and afraid of what could be coming upon our nation and even upon our world but we got to understand that biblically the New Testament writers Jesus and the New Testament writers they give us a worldview that is a warfare worldview but they teach us that who we're warring against is is not one another, but we're literally dealing with principalities and demonic powers in the unseen realm. And under the sway, I, I, I use that, that phrase for this sermon series because in 1 John 5, 19, it says that we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of God of the wicked one. And honestly, we can sense this pull in our lives on a daily basis. If we are, Especially if we are trying to resist that pull on a daily basis and walk with Jesus Christ and follow him and follow his ways, because there is a sway of the wicked one that is slowly trying to change the way that we think, trying to get us to adopt philosophies and ideas that are antithetical to the kingdom. And we see this happening in politics. We see this happening in our educational systems. And even with faith in general we we'll see we see this happening in the media and in the news that it's pushing us in a certain direction away from the truth of God to try to get us to adopt whether it be an attitude whether it be fear or whether it be a literal ideology that stands against the truth of God's word and so Paul says it like this when he gives us this warf- warfare worldview in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 through 12 he says this finally be strong in the Lord And in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We want to talk about some of the devil's schemes here this morning. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil, in the heavenly realms now in the ancient context in the hebrew context they literally believed that these were cosmic agents that were given authority over different aspects of the earth lucifer and and the angels were given authority over different aspects of the earth but they were living in the unseen realm. Satan is actually called the prince of the power of the air. He's the archon or the ruler of the unseen realm, which is, we could call it the air. We could call it the second heaven. But in the realm of the earth that you cannot see, there are principalities and powers. There are rulers of the darkness of this world. There is spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places that are working behind the scenes to get us to live contrary to God. And see, they work they work counter to the ways of God. They are in rebellion against God. And their one goal, their one desire is to get us, those who are created into, in the image of God, to reject God, to reject God's truth, and ultimately to turn against one another and to self-destruct. See, Paul gives us actually a, a, an interpretive key here about how the powers work against us. See, this 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 particular message I want to talk to you about, I want to call this particular one resisting the powers because the powers are trying to pull us and bring us under their sway and they are at work. But he says that our Our struggle in these scriptures is not against flesh and blood because the powers desire for us to view flesh and blood as our enemies. See, the one thing that Satan does not want you doing is is believing that he is your enemy, that he's the enemy that you're fighting. He does not want humanity to believe that we all have a common enemy and it is the demonic powers. Matter of fact, when you start to talk about the demonic, especially in any social setting or any secular setting, people will laugh at you, people will mock at you, But see, the Bible teaches us and Jesus even teaches us that what he came to do, one of the things that he came to do is to destroy the works of the devil. He attributed sickness, disease, sin, and even death to the works of the devil and the demonic powers that were at work. He brought freedom to many people that were oppressed, the scripture says, of the devil. And so what the enemy wants us to do is he wants us to believe that our enemies are flesh and blood enemies, that we're against the left or we're against the right or we're against these types of religious people or we're against that group of people. And he wants us to begin to label our enemies as flesh and blood and not against the demonic powers that seek to divide and conquer. See, that's scheme number one of the enemy right now, especially in the current sway, the political sway with everything that's going on in the media. One of the things that you've got to notice, the first scheme of the enemy, number one, is that he is seeking to divide and he's seeking to conquer us through that division. And we're seeing division happening more and more at an alarming rate. It's so interesting to me that in Matthew 12 and in other other sections of the gospels, Jesus is bringing deliverance to people. He sets uh, multiple people free from demonic oppression. He casts demons out of people, and the religious people of the day come to Jesus and and to the community and they say it's by the power of Satan that he casts out devils. And Jesus makes a comment. He says that a house divided against itself cannot stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he said, how can Satan's kingdom stand. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Now Satan took that because he understands that ultimately in our nation, in our churches, in our families, a house that is divided against itself cannot stand. And so wherever you see harmony and unity, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your society, whether it's in your church, or whether whether it's in your nation, Satan is seeking to bring division so that ultimately he can separate you, he can isolate you, and he can ultimately conquer you. This is his goal. This is what he wants to do. And so when we see people that are truly under the sway of the wicked one, it manifests itself in division, number one, but it's accompanied by suspicion, accusation, anger, outrage, hate, and even violence. And we're seeing this happen more and more in our world today. And we've got to understand, just like I've said, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against the people that we believe believe differently than us or have different viewpoints than us. That's that's not our enemy. Our enemies are not human beings. Our enemies are the unseen forces behind these human beings that are trying to convince us that other human beings are our enemy. Listen, we're for all human beings. We got a lot of people that may be against us, even as Christian people, that may hate us as Christian people, that may hate the Word of God, but those people, even who believe differently than us, they are not our enemies. According to Jesus Christ, they are of unsurpassable worth. That even the people that disagree with you as a Christian, Jesus said they were worth dying for. They were worth giving their life for. And so it's a battle for us as Christians to continue to love in the face of all opposition and all resistance and declare that no human being is our enemy, but we have a common enemy. And that is the demonic powers that try to get us to hate one another and accuse one another and blame one another until we divide and we stand against one another And he wants that to end up in violence and a division where we can't find any peace. One of the greatest uh, one of the greatest effective means of, of, of the demonic powers throughout history has simply been to hide behind the scenes and get humans to turn on themselves and fight one another. So this is what's actually happening in our nation right now. And I think, like I said last week, it's not just a political thing, it's a religious thing. If we look at southeastern Kentucky, churches divide all the time. We divide over small, little different, meaningless things where we argue and quarrel and debate over theology or different things like that. But ultimately, we, we divide against one another and we look at one another as our enemies rather than coming together in unity in the name of Jesus Christ and coming together to fight against our common enemy and that's what we've got to learn to do in these last days now I want to show you a few charts this was a pew research done but this really reveals the state of division in our nation right now but if you put this first this first chart up in 1994 these are charts of political polarization I hope that you can see this clearly Uh, but basically you've got your median Republican and your median Democrat in 1994 when I was just a young little fellow what you see is that this gap was really pretty close the 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 republicans and the democrat your average republican your average democrat was somewhere right there in the middle You move 10 years forward to 2004, you see that both of these really, they don't divide much more, but they just move further to the left. Their ideologies just shift a little bit to the left, but then all of a sudden something shifts because in 2004, I was in high school, I got got a cell phone, but yet social media wasn't quite as big at that point, but it was getting ready to come on the scene and then we move 10 years forward when social media really starts to take over and all of a sudden, look at that gap. There is a huge gap that comes in that 10 years year period where Republicans move further to the right and liberals move further to the left and in 2017 just a few years back after the last presidential election they did it one more time and look the left moved even further away and we are continuing to divide and polarize at an exponential rate right now further and and much more quickly than we ever have done in America so the last the last one what you see is the overall movement of both sides you see that the right move further right and the left move further left and this division is continuing to increase now one of my buddies asked me to watch a documentary on Netflix the other day and I, and I tuned in and I watched it and I found it very interesting. And, and I would recommend that you watch it. It's called The Social Dilemma. And what it really discusses is, is that many adults and children right now are addicted to social media and you would probably agree with that. And here's the thing. I would say that internet and social media, it, there's a lot of good. It's through social media right now that we're literally preaching the gospel uh, to our church, to people in our community. So there are a lot of good things that are going on, but there's also a lot of devastating effects uh, that, that come through this social media. And, and if you if you watch this, their argument in the social dilemma is not that the demonic powers are at work using these things, but they see a trend where there is a sway at work pulling people in a very negative direction. Now, these people may not even be believers in God, but as I'm watching this thing, I see that ultimately behind the scenes the powers are at work. They're at work in our politics, but now they are at work through internet and social. Social media to continue to conquer us by dividing us more and more and one of the ways they do that is through social media now through social media alone right now the the stats are that since 2010 and 11 among teenage girls 189 uh, percent depression and anxiety is up Suicide is up among teenage girls 151% since 2010 and 11, and, the, and it's a whole generation, they're saying, that is more anxious, more fragile, and more depressed, and less comfortable with taking a risk because they have a digital pacifier and they have no idea how to actually cope with the things that they're dealing with in life. And they link all of these things directly to social media and the internet and the attachment and the addiction that, that this generation Is dealing with in that area so here's the other thing though that they say that it's not just about what it's doing to our children but it has to do with what it's doing to us as a people because one of the biggest aspects of social media right now is the its effect of radicalizing and polarizing people many experts are saying that the anger hostility and tribalism that we see in our nation is directly linked to a large degree to social media and the internet. And the, the question we would ask is why Why would social media, why would they go out of their way to cause this polarization? And, and the truth is, is because it has been proven to be exceptionally effective in keeping people online. In other words when they hardwire, Google hardwires or social media and Facebook hardwires thing, they actually study your brain. They study every move that you make. And they watch how long you look at a video, uh, the amount of time it is and what you click on, what you don't click on and they study you over and over trying to find your psychology and and hack into your psychology to know what you're gonna click on to know what you're gonna pay attention to and they actually create algorithms and run loops in order to addict you to your phone and to your social media to get you to stay on it as long as possible now the one thing that they say is that the internet doesn't have a conscience Google doesn't have a conscience these algorithms don't have a conscience they have one goal to get you to stay on social media longer in order for them to make money off you more. To see the same thing over it again. And the, the problem is this, is that when you choose one thing, when you choose uh, a, a conservative viewpoint or a liberal viewpoint, when you look at those things, it runs a feedback loop so you get more and more and more of the same ideologies until it trains you to think a certain way. And this is why the polarization is increasing. It knows when you have a tendency to go down the trail of a conspiracy theory and it will feed you more and more subtle, nuanced videos or whatever it is to get you to think a different way to get you to believe a different way and at the end of it we have a radicalized age this is why every all the rhetoric you hear is whether well, they're the radical left or whether well, they're the alt right they're far right or they're far left it's a, an increasing divide and as Christian people we should be able to speak the truth in love in a way that we try to close that gap where we have a common ground but ultimately we've got to stand for the truth in the face of all these things and it's a difficult thing today to do because we live in a radical radicalized age. Now, when we talk about this division that's at work, you see it every day. We have to resist that division in our nation and especially in the church. Now, here's what one guy said, Jaron Lanier, in this this, uh, documentary. I want you to notice this because it is a spiritual warfare kind of a statement, even though that's not the purpose that he made it for. But he says, here's what social media is doing. He says, it's the gradual, slight, imperceptible change in your own behavior that is the product. Ultimately, he's saying they're not having it. You don't have to pay anything to get on Facebook. You don't have to pay anything to get on Instagram. That's because he says it's not the product. You are the product. You're being sold and your mind and your activity is being sold to advertisers to get you to focus on what they want you to focus on and ultimately day after day they are reprogramming your mind to think a certain way so he says it's the gradual slight imperceptible change in your own behavior that is the product. Can I tell you something about the powers of darkness? It's not that they want you to do something all at once or just take a dive off the deep end. It is the day by day stopping listening to the Word of God, the day by day removing your life from a life of prayer, the day by day just slipping away from the things of God and suddenly being influenced and indoctrinated by another ideology That brings you a small change in behavior that you really can't even perceive is going on. That's how the enemy works. He says that's the only thing for them to make money from. To change the way you think, what you do, who you are. It is only a gradual change. You can change the whole world 1%. That is very powerful. So it's not that Satan is trying to get you to do everything crazy all at once. He's just looking to have a gradual change to move the whole world away from God. And he feels like he's got enough time to do that. But see, over the years, even in our nation, you see a gradual change. There are literally mindsets and ideas that people are are preaching, politicians are teaching, our educational systems are adopting that just 20 and 30 years ago we would have never dreamed of. When it comes to sexuality, when it comes to the unborn, when it comes to racial tension and division, there are things that are going on in our nation and, and things that people are believing and teaching that we would have never dreamed it would have gotten that far. But see... Here's something else that he said, he said fake news spreads six times faster than true news on social media. So what we're seeing, we have, we live in an information age where we're constantly receiving information. There is news at a rate where everything that happens across the globe comes to you instantly. The problem is, is that fake news actually spreads six times faster. It's not the truth that we're getting the most of. We're actually getting falsehood and lies. And again, the internet and the algorithms and Even the journalists, they don't care what the truth is. They care what sells. It's about money. So what happens is, is these lies and these falsehoods infiltrate our minds and it transforms our behavior. And we even begin to adopt an attitude and a mindset that is of this world and not the ways of Christ and the ways of Scripture. It is a sway of false information that we're moving. And here's here's what a man named Tristan Harris, the guy that, that did this documentary, says on the same one. He said, if we don't agree on what is truth or that there is a such a thing as truth, we're toast. This is the problem beneath other problems because if we can't agree on what is true, then we can't navigate Any of our problems. And I will say that that is is the truth. If we cannot agree as a people on what is true, then we are never going to be able to navigate any of our problems. If we believe that it's true that you can just have sex with anybody you want at any given time, well then, but on the other hand, we believe here that that no, that that sex is a holy and a sacred thing that is between a man and his wife and the covenant of marriage, and we say, well, everybody lives their own truth. We're never going to be able to navigate these problems. There has to be a truth that is bigger than just the lies that are that are being spread through all these different ideologies that are unleashed in our world. Ephesians 6 says it like this verse 13 and 14. It says therefore put on the full armor of God. So if we're dealing with all these lies and and all and the sway of the wicked one and the powers and the principalities that are at work. He tells us, Paul says, you got to put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes and we're dealing with some evil days, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, here's what he says in the next verse, verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now, I just want to cover two Two aspects of the armor of God, but the first one that I want to cover today is the belt of truth that's buckled around your waist. Now, he gets this picture from the Roman centurions, the the legion, the army that was in Rome at the day. And they would have on this belt that would wrap around all of their gear and essentially all of their gear, everything that they had on was 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 wrapped up in this belt so that everything would be held together. See, you're not going to be held together in the days moving forward if you don't have the truth that holds everything together in your life. Four times in this scripture, he uses the word stand. And, and, and when he says stand your ground, literally in the Greek, it's antihistamine. It's, 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 it's the word we get that is a, something that is a blocker or a repellent. Literally to a po- oppose fully or to strongly resist and oppose. An opponent. So he's saying, you actually have to come into a place where you're going to be willing to stand your ground because there is this pull, there is this sway, and you have to say, no, I'm not going to get caught up under that sway and move in that direction. I'm going to stand my ground. But see, it's a very subtle thing. When Satan comes with a lie, he comes with deception. It's not always a blatant lie. A lot of times it it works on our feelings. And like I said, it's a slow little bit, just a giving here, a giving there. A slow little bit here, a slow little bit there. And these things slowly begin to creep in. And that's what Satan started in the garden. He told Eve, he said, did God really say? Did God really say this? He's always questioning what God really said. Is is the scripture really true on this? Or can we change that? I mean, maybe it's outdated. Maybe it doesn't stand as true as it used to 2,000 years ago. And he begins to say, did God really say this? God knows and understands that in the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he said, you'll be as God's. Knowing good and evil. So really what he's saying is this: he's got a two-fold strategy. He's trying to deceive us into thinking we have the right to define reality according to our own preferences. In other words, he's saying you get to decide for yourself what is good and evil. You get to decide for yourself what is truth, and this is a very, very popular ideology today. We're all living our own truth. Let me tell you something, you do not get to live your own truth. There is one truth, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he has given us his word. And In order to follow him properly and live in that truth but we don't get to define our reality according to our preferences see but satan leads us according to our preferences the same way social media does it wants to know about your preferences and it will lead you down a track where you believe in and finally act upon these alternative realities. And this is why we're so polarized, because we're now locked in to our alternative realities. Secondly, he takes these alternative realities and he spreads them so far apart. Let me tell you this, Satan doesn't just want you to be He doesn't just want everybody to go to the left or everybody to go to the right. He would prefer it if he could get 50-50, half to go to the right, half to go to the left, and opposing ideologies. because ultimately he doesn't just want everybody believing the same thing against God. He wants everybody believing the same thing. He wants everybody believing polarizing opposite things so that ultimately their enemy will no longer be him. Their enemy will be one one another and they will self-destruct. So he wants us to come into a collision course where we are in a division, we hate one another, and He conquers us by dividing us. So we must get our thinking and our living to line up with the truth as it is defined by God and His Word. I don't have it. Listen, if the Word of God says something, there's a lot of things that I came across in Scripture that whenever I first read it, I didn't like it that much. But my my opinion does not matter when it comes to the Word of God. I don't get the Word of God to line up with my opinion or my preferences. I get my preferences to line up with God's Word and His opinion. That's why I have to keep the belt of truth on. Truth is defined as God's opinion on a matter. What has God said? What has God done and what has God written about this matter? See, Jesus Christ is the truth. That's what we believe as Christians. And in John 17, 17, Jesus said this. He said, sanctify them by your truth. In other words, cleanse them, set them apart, keep them separate from the world. Why? Sanctify them. How? By your truth. What is the truth? Your word is truth. Your word is truth. This is what Jesus says. See, the truth is unchangeable no matter how you feel, no matter what kind of day you've had. The truth about what Christ has done and who you are in Him remain the same regardless of what's going on in our nation. Culture is changing and shifting radically and it's moving further and further away from the truth but the truth never changes. But see, the sway is getting stronger. The pull is getting more prevalent and this is why in these last days we've got to learn to stand and keep the belt of truth on. In the movie, there's a movie that I really like. It's called Inception. But in the movie, Leonardo DiCaprio, is his character, he goes into layers of layers, layers upon layers of dreams. And he believes that you can plant just a seed, a, a thought, an idea deep within these dreams that will alter the course of history that will change a person's life and cause them to move in different directions and i believe that's probably true if you could actually do it and get into dreams but see the problem with him is as he goes into so many dream worlds in layer upon layer that he has this top that he will spin because he cannot tell if his dream is truth if it's reality or if it's just a dream so when he wakes up from this dream he's trying to figure out if, if he's still in the dream or if he's in actual reality so he'll spin the top and if it keeps spinning then he knows he's still in the dream but if it over he knows this is reality and see he has an objective standard outside of himself to say this is reality and right now we are under such a sway there are so many falsehoods so many ideologies that are running rampant in our world that the only way that we can stay grounded and firm in the truth is we as if we have an objective standard outside of ourself that says no this is the truth and that is the word of God if we lose the word of God see the second thing the second thing that the enemy has tried to do the entire time is his scheme number two. I may have missed that one, but scheme number two is that he's trying to undermine truth. This is the this is the thing that he's trying to come. He wants to come against the word of God, downplay the word of God as if it's no longer valuable, as, as if it is outdated. As if it shouldn't be taken into account. And he's looking to say, you know what? We're progressive. We're moving forward. We're we're moving beyond what scripture has to say. But see, we believe that scripture is as good today and as solid today as it was 2000 years ago. Yes, we need to learn how to interpret it properly and be led by the Holy Spirit in our understanding of it. But he is seeking to undermine truth because if there is no truth, there is no freedom. In, In 1863... Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation that said all of the slaves would be free. In January of 1863, he signed the Emancipation Proclamation that all of the slaves were free, but it took until June of 1864 for that news to actually travel to Texas. As far as the slaves... In Texas, went they were free in January of 1863, but they did not receive the knowledge of that freedom until June 1864, 18 months later. What does that mean? See, it's not just the truth that sets you free; it is the knowledge of the truth that sets you free. We have to take the knowledge of God's word and apply it to our situations and to our circumstances, and speak the truth of word, truth of God's word, and abide in it in our lives. In John chapter eight, verse 31 and 32, Jesus says it like this: It says, "Then Jesus said to those jews who believed in him if you abide this word abide it means to continue or to hold on to fervently so if you continue in and hold on to fervently my word then you are my disciples indeed and then the next verse, he says this, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. In other words, if you continue in God's word and you believe that what God's word says is the truth on the matter, regardless of what culture says or regardless of what the media says, or regardless of what the, our educational systems and our professors are teaching us at school. When we believe that, no, God's word is the truth. He says, if you continue in it and you abide in it and you hold fast to it, he says, it's going to bring you into an experiential knowing and a knowledge of the truth and that knowing of the truth that embracing of the truth is going to bring freedom from sin from bondage from fear from anxiety in your life and it will make you free and we are looking for that freedom and see this is why as Christians we have to understand that we have a responsibility to speak the truth because the truth is the only thing that is ultimately going to bring people freedom the more lies that we teach the more things that we that we tell people about about God or about other ways the more that we do it we are part Partnering with the enemy. And when we speak lies, we are partnering with the enemy. When we speak something contrary to God's Word, we are partnering with the powers of darkness. And that's what they desire for us to do. They desire for us to take hold of their doctrine, their falsehoods, and partner with Him. Here's what John, John 8 44 says Jesus said this about, about some of the religious leaders of His day. He said, You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. See, he does not stand in the truth. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. He is the father of lies, and he is using media, he is using all sorts of things and means ultimately to sway the world under his lies and under his deception. The enemy deals in lies when it comes to our life. Now, here's what I want you to understand is that unless one hears the truth, they cannot know the truth, and they will never find freedom in Christ. Even in my own life, and this is where it becomes difficult in our day because there is a lot of pressure to just not get involved, not get engaged, don't speak the truth. And even whenever you do speak the truth, a lot of times in our world today, you may be called, uh, you may be called hateful, you may be called a bigot because you speak the truth. But see, there's a reality to Scripture. The Scripture says that we have a mandate to speak the truth in love and oftentimes unless a person hears the truth they're not going to find the power within themselves to turn to Christ because they don't know that things are wrong. You've got to understand that we have our, our, our young generation they are adopting all kinds of beliefs because they're not indoctrinated by a Sunday morning sermon. They hear a Sunday morning sermon when they come in and, they, and, they, and if they don't fall asleep or whatever if they're able to press through they're getting maybe one hour of good solid biblical teaching a week and the rest of the week they're being indoctrinated by social media. So what you're seeing is that they are are under the influence, they are under the sway. They're not hearing near as much truth in order to keep them solid and grounded in the truth. And they don't know the truth about sexuality. They don't know the truth about gender. They don't know the truth about racism and division because they've not been in God's word. And even in my own life, it actually took a man who stood up behind the pulpit and preached against the sins in my life and said, these are sins against God and you must repent of them. It was until I heard it. I went to church many times, but I had never heard anybody speak the truth on matters that dealt with my behavior and my sin against God. Because most people would prefer to just overlook the truth because sometimes the truth is offended and God forbid we offend anybody. But see, sometimes the truth is very offensive. Sometimes the truth hurts, but ultimately Ultimately, without the truth, we can never find freedom. And if we love people, we will be willing to speak that truth. And see, that's what the mandate we have is, is that we are to speak the truth in love. And see, this is why the third scheme of the enemy, scheme number three right now in our cultural sway, is that he wants to silence your voice. The enemy wants to silence your voice. And there are really two ways that the enemy can silence your voice. Number one, he will silence your voice through fear that keeps you from speaking the truth. This is happening all over our world, even in in, in mega churches and small church, churches all over our world. They just don't, they wanna get along with everybody. So they don't want to speak out against anything that may offend somebody. So he instills fear under the cultural pressure and the cultural sway and even cancel culture to speak the truth and tries to get people from speaking. But then secondly, another way that he, he can silence your voice is that when you do speak, you don't speak it in love. So we really see two things happening in the church. Either on the one hand, nobody is speaking the truth whatsoever. But then on the other hand, we see another side that they're speaking the truth. but when they do speak the truth they don't speak it in love they speak it in anger and outrage and in both of those ways our voices are silenced because nobody is listening either either way when we don't speak nobody hears it when we do speak but we speak in anger and outrage rather than in love everybody just disregards it and so we have to come up under the kingdom of God and his mindset in order to truly speak the truth in love listen the church must always be a voice for the oppressed for the unborn, against all forms of hatred, division, and racism, the church should always teach about sexual purity and gender as God designed it. And the church should always call this world to repentance. And we call people to repentance and love because Jesus has come and he has given his life to die for the sins of the world. That's why he went to the cross. That's why it was so brutal, because sin is horrific. But he came to save his people from their sins. And this is why we label sin and we name it, whether 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 on when we look at political sides, oftentimes we, we pick. Well, this one's off. Awful, but we, we overlook maybe boastfulness or pride or self-righteousness. But see, all of these things, we call them sin. And we say, look, folks, this is something that has to be repented to of because it is a sin against God. And the truth must be spoken. But the truth must be spoken in love. See, with increasing polarization and division, this is a difficult thing because like I said, either we don't speak the truth at all or when we do speak it, we speak it with an attitude that represents this world a little bit more than it represents Christ. So we end up getting played when it comes to religion and politics because all people want to do is argue. Even in the church, we have been duped and played by the powers because rather than speak the truth in love, what we've decided to do is we would rather get into some kind of political debate or argument. And see, here's what the scripture says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 23 through, through 26. It says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Somebody amen me in your, in your living room this morning. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. Next verse he says, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind To everyone. Now, this is a difficult thing for us in our polarized and political nation to understand that as Christian people, we're not to be quarrelsome, we're not to be looking for arguments and debates, but we are to be kind to everyone. Whether it's Donald Trump or Kamala Harris, we're to be kind to everyone and we're to be able to teach. That means we need to know the Word of God and we need to be ready to teach it to people who have questions about what we believe to be the truth. And we cannot be resentful. That means that just because somebody believes differently than we do does not mean that we get angry at them or we don't forgive them or we get bitter about them. No, we're not resentful toward them. Next verse he says, opponents must be gently instructed. We've got to get gentle with them. We've got to come under them in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. And finally, the last verse says, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do His will. So He's saying, Look, as kingdom people, we need to fight for folks. We don't fight against folks. We don't fight against uh, opposing views. We don't fight against people. We fight for people by gently instructing them in the truth and loving them enough to tell them the truth. So when you come and you speak to a person, the, the question is Do you speak to someone or do you proclaim your opinion on Facebook? Do you do that for your own sense of self righteousness or do you? Do you do that because you want to be right? Or do you do that because you genuinely and sincerely love people and want to see people Come to the knowledge of the truth that God would grant them to repentance and that ultimately in that truth that they would be set free from the snare of the enemy who has ca- taken them captive to do his will. And see, if that's who we are and that's what we are, we're not looking for quarrels. We're not looking for arguments. We're not looking for debates. Now, sometimes when you speak the truth in love, somebody going to try to argue with you. Somebody's going to try to debate. But you have to be in a kingdom mindset throughout this, throughout even a debate. In order to not get caught up under the sway, because the current sway is that anytime somebody mentions anything different than what you believe and different than your opinion, you get angry. You get provoked. You get frustrated. You get loud. You get boisterous. But see, here's what the scripture says when we're dealing with these things. Psalm 37 verse 8 says, "Bridle your anger, trash your wrath, cool your pipes. This is the message translation. It only makes things worse. Your anger... And your wrath only makes things worse. Ecclesiastes 7.9 says, do not be quickly provoked in your spirit. A lot of us right now, we get on Facebook, we see one comment, we get quickly provoked, we immediately respond and cause a Facebook war. But it says, don't be quickly provoked in your spirit for anger resides in the lap of fools. Proverbs 29.22 says this, it says, an angry person stirs up conflict and a hot tempered person commits many sins. And lastly, let me give you one last one, Proverbs 15:1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. In other words, what is your attitude? See, one of the things, one of the things that I see even in our nation today is on one side we may see ideologies that are against the ways of God, but on the other side we see often attitudes that rather than bring peace in the midst of division Cause a stronger political divide and polarization in our nation, and there is no bridge to, there is no gap anymore to be bridged because we have already severed ties by the way we speak to people and by the anger that we hold toward them and the resentfulness that we have, and because we would rather quar- quarrel than try to make peace and love people self-sacrificially. Now I know it's a difficult thing. I'm not saying that I that I myself am great at it, but here's the here's the question that you have to ask ask yourself when you see First of all, when you see two people arguing, what do you assume? I've seen tons of videos, man, lately with, with people out on the streets pointing fingers at one another, arguing, fighting, bickering. And so when you see those two people arguing, what are you assuming? You're assuming that these two people think that their beliefs are both rational and that their beliefs are right. And so they're trying to convince the other person of their beliefs so that ultimately maybe they can get them to come to the other side. But the question you've got to ask yourself Is in the history of time, how many people have been persuaded to change their mind by having a shouting match? And the answer I will tell you is zero. If you, actually, if you actually scientifically study what happens to, uh, to people when they get provoked and they get angry, now scientists will say this, I'm going to bring a little science into this. I'm no scientist, but, but I've, I've read up on some of these things. But see, even when Christians feel threatened, there's something that triggers in them. Now, science says that we have a reptilian brainstem that whenever we're triggered, whenever we're angry, or whenever somebody threatens us, our reptilian brainstem activates and it sends out a chemical signal where when we feel threatened, we do one of two things. We either fight or we flee. And once we are in that state where our reptilian brainstem is activated and we're just engaged like that, we only want to fight or we only want to flee. And what it does is it shuts down our, our, our prefrontal, prefrontal lobe cortex, which does all of our reasoning. So in other words, our reasoning shuts down. And this is why I don't know if you've ever been in an argument, but, but even if my wife and I, if we get into an argument, if we get heated and we get into a debate, what happens is even we, we, if we ever get heated and loud, what you'll notice is, is we lock into our viewpoints. And it takes a while before we can calm down enough to even listen to what the other one is saying because when that part of your brain activates, it actually locks you into that anger and you don't care what the other person is saying and their anger actually justifies your anger so you're no longer listening to what they're saying. See, in, uh, in, in order to get somebody to listen to you, you cannot come at them with loud, boisterous anger because scientifically, you will lock them into a brain functioning that will only resist them and and lock them in further to their division against you they'll just have more reasons to justify their anger against you and you will lock them in this is why throughout history jesus understood it martin luther king jr understood it that non-violent resistance was the best way to produce change that self-sacrificial self-giving love and not violence or anger or outrage was the most powerful way to produce long-term change Violence can produce short-term change, but it doesn't change people's hearts. What changes people's hearts is self-sacrificial love. That's fully represented on the cross of Jesus Christ, but even throughout history, when we see people operating in nonviolent resistance, it changed people's hearts because we didn't look at people as enemies, but we looked at people as people that we loved and were willing to fight for to speak the truth in love. We didn't come with harshness. We didn't come with anger. We didn't come with violence, but we come up under them in love and it convicts them because they realize that they're they're just people too they realize here's the thing that you got to understand about people all people are human beings in desperate need of love and you have no idea what's happened to anybody you have no idea why they believe what they believe we're living in a generation where people are abused in the church they're hurt by a variety of means and listen at the end of the day We have got to stand for the truth of Christ because the church in many areas has done a lot of good, but in many areas it's done a lot of bad. But this is why we have to fight to speak the truth and love people because we don't know where they've been, where they've come from. And we've got to come up under them without arguing, without debating, but speaking the truth in love and praying that God would grant them to repentance to come to the knowledge of the truth. We're not going to war with people of, of other viewpoints. Our war Christian people, your war is not with the radical left. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And see, here's the thing. We have got to like Christ and learn to learn to, to be willing to lay down our lives to self-sacrificially love other people. And we will never choose anger. We will ne- never choose hate. And we will never choose violence. We will always choose self-sacrificial love as Jesus Christ our Lord taught us. Here's my last one. Scheme number four. The last thing that the enemy wants to do is he wants to exalt bad news over the good news. In Ephesians 6.15, Paul gives us another Piece of the armor of God, and he says, Have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, in our news and in media right now, what the enemy deals, what the powers deal in, is they deal in bad news. The goal of the enemy, the goal of the powers, is hopelessness, despair, depression, anger, outrage, fear, and anxiety. And see, right now, all we hear is we hear coronavirus, we hear racial tension, we hear death, we hear hatred, we hear violence, we hear political division and accusations and fear of the things that are coming upon the earth. And every day there is just more bad news being pumped out to get you to feel distant from God, to get you to feel fearful as if God's not in control of all these things and to get you to buy into that narrative of the bad news that the enemy is going to destroy all things. But see, it says that we got to have shoes on of the gospel of peace, the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. See, the gospel means good news. And see, we've got good news to tell people, folks. I don't care how bad this world gets. I don't care how dark things get. Ultimately, Jesus is on the throne. And the scripture even says that darkness will cover the earth and gross darkness the people, but the glory of the Lord shall arise upon the people of God and God's light and truth will shine through His people in this hour. And we've got a light to shine. We've got a truth to speak in the midst of the darkness of this hour. And see, we've got a good news that's greater than the bad news. And that is that Jesus Christ, God the Father, so loved the world that He chose to send His only begotten Son. That in this broken world that is messed up and full of sin and death and destruction, Jesus came and took our place and died on the cross so that all people who would believe could be forgiven of their sin. That they would have power in the Holy Spirit to repent. That their heart would be changed. That their mind would be changed. That their life would be changed. And ultimately, we believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross for our sins, that He was raised on the third day, and He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. And see, He is coming back. He is returning, and He's returning very soon. And when He does, He will establish a kingdom where we won't have to vote anymore, and that kingdom will be a kingdom of perfect peace. And you won't be full of anxiety anymore. There'll be no more coronavirus, no more sickness, no more disease. And see, we have to preach this good news of the kingdom in the here and now Because we believe that as we preach this good news, it can begin to infect the world for good right in the here and now until Jesus returns when he comes again. But see, he's going to come and he's going to establish a kingdom of perfect peace. But as ambassadors of God's kingdom, we are to stand in that peace. We're to stand in the good news. We exalt the good news of Jesus Christ over the bad news every day of our life. I'm telling you, if you turn off the media just long enough to get into the scripture and the word of God and begin to give God praise and begin to worship God, your attitude is going to change. Your heart is going to change and you're going to realize that the good news is far more powerful than the bad news. And we have a mandate to proclaim the good news of the gospel of peace no matter what comes. Because listen, in this world, we're going to face tribulation. We're going to face heartache. But Jesus has overcome the world and he has given us a peace, the scripture says, that this world does not give. Romans 16, 20. I love this. It says that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. See, the shoes of the gospel, what are they? These are the shoes, literally, of peace. Peace is our shoes. And the Romans would have spikes on this because they knew that they were... Ne- Matter of fact, history says that if they were going to flee and they were going to run, they would have to take their shoes off because these shoes were meant to stand firm in order to resist. And see, we stay in peace and we resist. I know there's fear about the virus and there's fear about things that are going to happen after the election. But see, we have the shoes of the gospel of peace and we stand firm and we're saying nothing's taking our peace because in Christ Jesus we have peace. We're not going to fall up under the sway of Anxiety and fear, but we are going to maintain peace that comes through the gospel of Christ. And see, He says there's a preparedness and a readiness to those who have the shoes of the gospel of peace on. See, we're called to be prepared to speak the good news. When bad things happen, guess what? We're prepared. We're not taken. We're not. We're not taken aback by what happens in the world right now. We're, we're, we're not confused. We're not upset. We're not angry. We're able to respond in peace because we know what the Word of God says. We know that Jesus is on the throne. And ultimately, we know no matter what darkness comes, Jesus is going to give us wisdom. He's going to watch over us. He's going to give us the words to speak. And we are going to see a harvest of souls. And Jesus is going to bring people into the kingdom in this time in our lives. So the Scripture says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. And God's going to give us an anointing, I believe, in these last days in the midst of such turmoil to be peacemakers. Do not be played by the powers and believe that you need to go buy weapons to go to war with people. No, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal and God is going to give us the ability to make peace by proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in these last days. Do not be duped. Do not be... Uh, duped into believing that your enemy is flesh and blood. We have enemies that are trying to get us to divide and hate one another and we're called to resist the powers by standing firm in the peace of God and becoming peacemakers and proclaiming the good news to everyone who will listen. So my last point here, how do we resist the current sway? We went over these together, but if the sway is division, we first resist by self-sacrificially loving our enemies. Love the people in the church, Love the people in our nation. No matter what political party they are of, love people. I'm telling you right now, Donald Trump, Mike Pence, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, they deserve to be loved and prayed for. They may totally disagree with the ways of God. And and most likely they do in a lot of different ways. But they need to be prayed for and they need to be loved. And we need to speak the truth in love to people who would follow them rather than Jesus Christ. Secondly, the sway is undermining truth. See, we have to live by God's word if we're going to resist the current sway because the sway is to undermine the truth of God. The only way we're going to overcome is if we stay in God's word and let it be the objective truth outside of ourselves that we can go back to over and over again. Thirdly, if the sway is to silence your voice, we have to stand up boldly and we have to speak the truth in love. And lastly, if the sway is the exaltation of bad news, then we have to stand firm in the peace of God that comes to to us through the gospel. We stand firm in peace in this hour. We're not going to be swallowed up by fear and anxiety, but we're going to believe that Jesus is in control. And right now, I believe that no matter what we've got to go through, if we've got to shut down church, if we've got to go through hours where things are difficult, we don't fully understand what's going on, Ultimately, I believe that God is going to give us favor. He's going to bless His people. He's going to protect us. And He is going to give us wisdom to move forward. And we are going to see a harvest of souls coming into the kingdom. And if you're listening to this this morning and and you don't know Jesus, right now, I'm telling you, is the time to get your life right with God. Because Jesus loves you and He died for you. And He wants you to come to a knowledge of the truth. And He wants you to find freedom from your sin and to find eternal life in him that's the peace that we have it's the gospel that's the only way that we're going to find peace the only way that we're going to bring peace in our nation is through the proclamation of the gospel politics are never going to bring peace but the gospel of jesus christ can do it and ultimately we wait for the return of a savior who will establish his kingdom and establish peace right here but i want to pray for you right quick as we go but father we just thank you for your word And God, help us to be aware of the sway of the wicked one. And Lord, let us turn from that sway and let us resist that sway and go against it, God, in the truth of your word. And Lord, help us to love one another and help us, God, to even love our enemies with a self sacrificial love. And God, no matter what may come come in the in the days ahead, help us to stand firmly in your peace and to proclaim your gospel, Lord, and to speak the truth in love. But God, let us never ad- adopt the attitude and the mentality of this world. But God, let us stay in your love. Let us stay in your peace. God, let us resist anger and hatred and violence and all of those things that are trying to pull us and polarize us and cause us division. But God, grant us peace. And give us the boldness to speak your truth in love. And God, would you save people's souls? Would you reach into their hearts, God? Would you pull them towards you, Lord Jesus? And would you give them new life? In Jesus' name we ask you. And we thank you for it, Lord. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you so much for joining us this morning.